The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. On this episode of The Heat Check, Katie goes completely dark. I will explain what that means for the Nets. Bradley Beal signed his extension. That can only be one, one mean one thing, and it's probably not what you think. Donovan Mitchell apparently is not forcing Utah to trade him yet, and I think I know why. And I also solved the mystery of an anonymous hit piece in the New York Post today on... Portland Trailblazers owner, Jody Allen? Oh, yes, of course, because we are here live in Las Vegas. I will also break down all of my initial thoughts from the happenings of the first day of Summer League. Can't wait to get into it, so Brock, do it fast. Go ahead and drop that beat. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So let's get into a little news around the NBA. KD, my man Kevin Durant, has gone completely dark. And in his absence, the Nets have become, I don't know, the Nets have become a 13-year-old with NBA 2K in franchise mode. And they're just trying to swap one player for an entire team. They're also like who you experience all the time if you play fantasy football and you've got that one guy in the league who thinks that, like, he can trade you Alvin Kamara for like Matt Stafford and Josh Jacobs and Darren Waller. It's like, um, my G, no. Uh, the latest is that they tried to convince the Minnesota Timberwolves to give up Ant, Cat, and four first round picks for KD. I'm sorry, what? You said what? Click. That's one of those. Hey, what's up, Sean? Uh, it's uh, a Rod, and it's uh, who's run? Tim Conley. It's Tim. What's up? Uh, you won't. Excuse me. What? Click. That's like that's an immediate go fuck yourself. So why would the Wolves or Kevin Durant sign off on that? Like why would D'Lo and Kevin Durant remix in this alternate universe where KD was in a sign and trade for D'Lo, who's also in a sign and trade? Like why would Kevin Durant want to play with Jaden McDaniels, 
uh, D'Lo and like Nas Reed. He wouldn't. Like he wouldn't. It doesn't help anyone other than the Nets in this case. And and first of all, if you get Nets, if you are the Nets and you get Carl Anthony Towns and Ant Edwards for Kevin Durant, there are no picks being exchanged. There is absolutely none. You get players. Ant Edwards is probably Michael Jordan. Have the Nets ever seen him play? I don't know. Like, because it's he's the next Jordan. I'm not giving you baby Jordan for a 30-plus guy who probably doesn't want to play in Minnesota anyway. And Brian Windhorse hit it on the head when he said this. And I thought to myself, we got to talk about this. The market does not want to pay a super premium price for Kevin Durant. Because if you trade all away these top assets on your team to get him, he becomes then less valuable to you because you're no longer a contender. And all of that is a gulf and why we are in a stalemate right now and you could have one for a while. And the latest now is also that there's no Kyrie trade until Kevin's traded. So Kai is going to just sit there and rot, even though he's out in, the in I want to say he's in L.A., uh, playing in the Valley, in all these uh, NBA leagues. He's chopping it up with all the stars. He's giving them buckets, proving that he's one of the best scorers on earth. And you know what? For the Nets, that doesn't matter. And for Kevin, people want to know. Players are reaching out to him. Agents are reaching out to him. Teams are reaching out to him. Not answering. Not answering calls. Not answering texts. Not answering emails. Barely even responding to tweets, which we know he loves to do. And it's all essentially in Rich Kleiman's hands now. So no, obviously, no Kevin Durant cameos at Summer League, it would appear. Haven't seen him. Haven't heard about him. It would appear this is going to drag on for some time. Woj thinks it's going to going all is going. Woj thinks it's going to go all the way up until a training camp. That would be gross. This has got the whole league on hold, and of course, a trade could drop at any moment. So you got to keep those alerts on for that very reason. Uh, moving on, let's move on. Brad Beal, Brad Beal signed his five-year, two hundred and fifty-one million dollar extension with the Wizards. <sighs> I gotta say, for him, go get your money, my guy. You deserve it. Take those money and then just hang out in D.C. And we know that he's loyal. But here's the kicker. Bradley Beal asked for and got a no-trade clause in his contract. He's the only current player in the league with that in his contract. And Ted Leonsis, the owner of the Wizards, owner of, what is it, Monumental? Monumental Sports, says that he does not want to be traded and we don't want to trade him. All of that sounds nice. On Friday, July 8th, 2022. We'll see how this goes in July 8th, 2026. We'll see when he's 30 years old. Leonza says he sees this as a partnership. And now the Wizards can't dump Beal for a, a boatload of picks without his say-so. Which is, you know, smart business for Beal in the NBA. You can't end up in Sacramento, right? Like he is going to be able to pick his next destination when... When he comes to grips with what we all know, and Brock knows, that he will never win anything in Washington. He will never make it past the first round again. I said it. And let's be clear about something here. This is no shade on Bradley Beal when I say this. But when he signed this extension, Supermax, 
no trade clause. I'm all in, no player option. That was the moment that I knew Bradley Beal does not prioritize winning a championship. It's not. He's not going to win a title in Washington, and any smart person can see this. The team is a mess. The team is so messy that there's not really much of a chance that they even will make the playoffs this year. Their idea of giving Beal pieces to help him was to sign Monty Morris, Will or Monte, Will Barton, DeLon Wright Jr. They drafted Johnny Davis, which means, folks, that this team has signed four guys who either have or currently play the shooting guard position, which is the exact same position that Bradley Beal plays. I don't know. I mean, of course, Morris and Wright can play the point. And basically what you're saying is that the Wizards added a pair of backup point guards, Monty Morris at 13-4, and four, Wright at 4-2, and two, and then basically said, Bradley Beal, you go ahead and carry the load. You go ahead and be the point guard. Make Johnny Davis the two. And we know that Bradley Beal is loyal, but we also know Bradley Beal is smart. And signing with the Wizards right now, with a baby on the way, is a smart business move. And it's a smart life move. It's just not the one that's going to give him a title. And that's facts. And that's okay. He'll be 34 years old when his extension is finished. And so that's maybe when he decides to go chase a ring like everybody else. I don't hate it. He's creating this multi-generational wealth and being loyal to a city that he loves. And I'm for that. But the cost of being loyal oftentimes is winning. Just as Damian Lillard, who himself doubled down and took a two-year, $122 million deal with the Blazers. How much money is that? Let me go to math school. 60, 60 something million dollars a year. Well, if you're going to lose, which 29 teams every year do, you might as well make $60 million a year doing it. Let's move on to Donovan Mitchell. Quick update him on him and the Utah Jazz. I don't have it today. I don't think I have it. Um, Last we looked in on the Jazz, Trader Danny had leveraged Rudy Gobert for about 100 first-round picks from the Timberwolves. <laughs> People are very split down the middle on this. I put out a, a clip on the internet, would you rather spend $30 million on Christian Wood? We talked about this on the podcast, obviously. Christian Wood and JaVale, $30 million, or Rudy Gobert and Cat at $100 million. And... People were very mad. People told me to get into the kitchen. People told me to never watch basketball again. People told me that I should just focus on the women's side of the game. It's just one of those scenarios where this was more controversial, folks, than I even thought. At least, though, at least the Wolves are committed to doing something to try to win now. And and that, for a lot of folks who have never seen the Wolves do a damn thing, is very exciting. This team could be very fun. Uh, even though it's a wing-driven league, as Kevin Durant would say, and you've got two centers now that make $100 million. I don't want to talk about that, though. What I do want to talk about is what the Jazz are doing, given this end of things, and what they're going to do moving forward. C- cue that Brian Windhorst dramatic reading. What is going on in Utah? It turns out... According to Brian Windhorst, what is happening in Utah is nothing yet. 
Uh, they're the only team in the NBA who hasn't signed anyone in free agency, not one single person, not a single soul. All they've done is just trade things, trade Royce O'Neal, trade Rudy Gobert, and accumulated a ton of first-round picks. And that, my friends, probably not a sign of encouragement to my man, Donovan Mitchell. Probably not good news if you're a Jazz fan and you think that maybe they're building around him. Because that's what they keep saying. We're building around Donovan. We don't want him to go. And then other reports are coming out saying that Donovan Mitchell is concerned with the moves that this team is making. Facts. I get that. And I don't think I'm making a hot take or saying a hot take to say Donovan Mitchell is probably not long for the Utah Jazz. This team's in rebuild mode. They just are not admitting it yet because they think they're getting an all-star game in Utah, which they may or may not have. And they need to have one one player that's an all-star the one year that they go to that trash-ass city. Or the fan base will probably riot. Probably bring their tiki torches out. Oh, oh yes. The all-star game is two weeks, though, before the trade deadline this year. Coincidence? I don't think so. I don't think so. So if you're New York, you play the waiting game. I mean New York, not Brooklyn. Other than Sam Presti and OKC, we talked about this before, there's not really any other team that has as many first-round picks as the Knicks, especially expendable ones. They have eight tradable first-round picks in the next handful of years. So unless they do something panicky or dumb, they're going to be in a really good position to add Donovan to this team and a, a backcourt of Mitchell and Brunson is pretty intriguing. It's definitely better than a backcourt of Mike Conley Jr. and Donovan Mitchell. But truthfully, Mike Conley in his prime, probably better than Jalen Brunson. Not going to lie. Uh, Wendy says that the Jazz are not talking to anyone about a trade right now for Donovan. And I think that makes sense only if they're planning on holding on to him for the short term because building around him makes no damn sense. And what we know about Danny Ainge is this. He is not afraid to and seems to like to blow up the ship. Um, let's, let's move forward. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So, summertime in the wintertime. Things are getting quite strange. Uh, and I want to discuss something that is near and dear to my heart, but something that also makes no sense. So let me preface this by saying, I have come in my short time of hosting radio in New York City about New York sports, sports teams on WFAN, that New York City doesn't really care about basketball. They don't. They don't care about local New York basketball almost at all. 
And there's, like, reasons for this. And they really don't matter that much to you, I'm sure. Um, the Nets aren't seen as a New York team. They keep trying to buy teams. It never works. They dominate national news in the basketball world, but honestly, New York fans just don't really give a shit. Secondly, the Knicks haven't been good, and they've been largely irrelevant ever since, like, the Riley era. So they're owned, obviously, by a man in James Dolan who probably rivals Dan Snyder as most popular owner in all of sports. I have nothing negative to say about James Dolan. However, lots of other people do. So imagine, Brock, my surprise, as a lifelong Portland Trailblazers fan, that I open up an article, a hit piece, on Blazers owner Jody Allen in the New York Post. Why would they do that? Doesn't make any sense. The second I saw this, I put my sleuthing hat on. Because, let's be real, shit like this doesn't happen. New York Post doesn't care about us. New York fans don't care about us. You have to fight just to get New Yorkers interested in Kyrie and Kevin Durant. Fighting their way out, forcing their way out of the nets. Why would they care about Portland? The quickest answer is they do not. They don't. And so to me, it seemed very bizarre that they would write this piece. So I started to read the article in depth. It's like a 5,000 word think piece. And the New York Post is not noted for their 5,000 word think pieces. It's noted for their 200 word stories with eight tweets embedded. This is not Pulitzer Prize journalism here. So I went to the author. The only think linked was the name S. Nathan NYP. Anonymous author publishing a 5,000 word hit piece on one of the major newspapers in the world. The author has written exactly two pieces in his or her history of the New York Post. One was a PR spin piece redeeming Brian Williams, noted liar, and the other was this vicious, ugly hit piece on Jody Allen. So I started to read, and it was an absolute hammer job. Just uh, like a hatchet on her reputation. Literally everything Jody Allen has ever allegedly done was dragged out and dissected in depth, and this includes the following allegations by the author and it's gonna get weird so I just need you to hang on I need you to hang on Brock she created a toxic environment in Portland she still is that's pretty normal lots of teams do that right that happens she allowed Neil Olshay former GM to basically run the most dysfunctional front office this side of Phoenix which led to his firing and that Jody Allen knew about it and did nothing to stop it. Okay, that's like shady, it's bad. Okay, all right. Uh, that Blazers CEO, Chris McGowan, resigned because of frustration with Jody and this other guy, Cold, 
who is Paul Allen's college roommate and friend who's basically running the team. And he's she's now allowing Burt Cole to make all the decisions. Okay, that's fine. Here's one that I thought was a little strange, that she ghosted Damian Lillard and did not return his emails. That one went viral. That's the one in this whole list that went viral. Okay, not probably a great move. All right. Uh, that she bought European cut boxer briefs for her security detail and asked them to put on a fashion show for her. That one caught my attention. But it was this one that really took the cake. It was this one that had my mind blown. I'm going to read the first, the full, full quote here. Former members of Paul Allen and Jody Allen's security detail, including veterans of elite military units, great, said in sworn depositions in 2012 that, yes, she sexually harassed bodyguards, but she also directed them to smuggle animal bones out of Africa and Antarctica. At least two former employees said that they heard themselves that Jody had smuggled ivory out of Africa, which is in violation of U.S. and international law, though none admitted to actually seeing her do so. What? Giraffe bones? You can't make this up. The USDA actually destroyed 72 pounds of giraffe bones, allegedly stolen and smuggled so how big is one just like a femur of a giraffe? Is that itself 72 pounds? And if you Google, just Google, smuggle giraffe bones. Because I thought to myself, what do you make with giraffe bones? Do you turn them into dust and then turn that dust into like a fake diamond? Do you snort that dust? Do you put that dust into your smoothie in the morning? Do you put it on the flakes of your kale salad? Like... What are we doing with this? Do we do you make furniture out of it? So I googled furniture, maybe that. So I googled what do we use giraffe bones for? Nothing. There's nothing there. Then I googled smuggle giraffe bones. I thought maybe if I got a little context into what people were finding and doing with this, then I would understand her motives. I swear to god, the only thing that comes up if you google smuggle Giraffe bones is just Jody Allen and Paul Allen. That's it. That's all that comes up is just article after article after article about them. So they're like the only person, people in history on the internet to have ever tried to steal the bones of a giraffe, which means, which means probably like Iron Fist, there's some like ritualistic thing where they turn it in they've got this like map and then they find an ancient tattoo artist with this giraffe bone and this metal bowl and they do a ritual and then they turn jody allen into the iron fist that's the only way i can think it makes sense which to me it's worth losing your team over
You know, honestly, if you're going to be the Iron Fist, it's pretty much no one who can stop you, even the New York Post. So, and um, Larry Miller, Larry Miller pops up all over this article. Um, he's the former president of the Blazers and a former executive of Nike, also of the Jordan brand. Uh, you might also know him as a guy who made news earlier this year by asking forgiveness uh, to a woman for a man he murdered 30 years ago, asking his wife for forgiveness. Why am I reading this? Because there's always a motive, right? And here it is. Larry, Larry Miller said this, it's time for a change in ownership. Stable, good, solid ownership is what leads to winning. You can't win if you don't have solid, consistent, reliable ownership. Portland has definitely not had that since Paul passed. The issue is that Bert doesn't want to sell, and he will drag this out as long as possible. By the way, if you've been under an NBA rock or just not on the internet, Jody Allen, 24 hours ago, put out a memo saying that the Blazers were currently not for sale and that they will not be for sale, most likely for another 10 to 20 years. Let me ask you this. What other owners that aren't going to sell their team for the next 10 to 20 years put out memos saying that they're not selling the team and that the team is not for sale? They just continue doing business, right? And don't sell the team. Like that pretty much tells you everything you need to know. So I see that memo and I'm like, I know I know Phil Allen put in a bid for $2 billion to buy the Blazers. And then I see this hit piece and it all clicked. Why would this be coming out? And it's because Phil Knight is going to pull Pull that Portland Trailblazers franchise from Jody Allen's cold, dead, giraffe bone acquiring hands. And he's going to do it using any means necessary. He's going to use the New York Post. It's only just begun. He's going to probably use the Sun in Britain. He's probably going to use New York Times. He's probably going to use LA Times. I mean, the Oregonian, we're probably already going to see something with Oregonian. I bet he makes a shoe with proceeds going over to Africa, like the anti-poaching shoe with fake animal print, giraffe print on the shoe, just to try to create a marketing campaign out of it. So you've got an anonymous, detailed article in a major newspaper that absolutely cares zero about Portland alleging everything under the sun against current owner of a Portland team just a couple of weeks ago after she said she was not going to sell the team to Phil Knight, by the way, didn't even take his calls, according to this article, who just made a massive bid to buy the franchise. You don't need a conspiracy theorist, baby, to see the writing on the wall. The lesson is this. Billionaires get their way. There is almost no clean and squeaky billionaires almost none unless they acquired it from their inheritance and that guy who acquired the billions probably not squeaky clean either and if a guy like phil knight wants to buy your team 
and is giving you a fair offer and you have to sell that team and you are being a see you next Tuesday by telling him in the world that you're not selling the team for another 10 to 20 years, get ready and you're not squeaky clean and you're buying European boxer briefs for your security detail and asking them to parade around for you, you better expect for those dirty European boxer briefs to be aired out all over from here to kingdom come on every national news source that we can find. This is just the beginning, baby, because Wall Street Journal is what comes next. Emergency segment, emergency, emergency. Shit is popping always at the Summer League. And while this show was being recorded, James Harden has signed with the Sixers and the terms are kind of shocking. James Harden is taking a $15 million pay cut for next season that allowed Philadelphia to elevate the roster with their sole focus on a championship run in 2023. He opted out of his $47 million player option and now plans to sign a new two-year deal with the player option in year two. This is what Shams tweeted. Wow. Still so much for that myth that he's the most selfish player in the NBA. Also, is $35 million really a pay cut for James Harden? Like, I don't think so. I don't know that he's worth $35 million, but hey. Also, still, I want to know, how does James Harden look? How does he feel? He's been fat. He's been out of shape. His hamstrings been in shambles. He's been doing hookahs all over the world. And we all remember the blue jumpsuit. We all remember the blue jumpsuit. Cue the Shams follow-up tweet, because you know there is one, right? Find it for me. Find me the Shams tweet. All right, here it is. Everyone around Harden has understood the focus on his workout regimen this offseason and a championship goal for 2022-2023. His close relationships with those around the organization, including Michael Rubin and Daryl Morey, played a major role in trust between the two sides. So, not only did James Harden take a 30% pay cut, he made promises, false promises, that he would come in shape this season. He would come into the season in shape. I promise you I'm going to eat better. I promise you I'm going to work out. I'm cutting down on the hookah. I'm cutting down on the strip clubs. I'm cutting down on the wings. Look the f*** out, people. Is big game James back? No, he's not back. But maybe, just maybe, James Harden wasn't the issue in Brooklyn. Maybe the team was already toxic, and maybe James Harden and his one hamstring saw it before anyone else, and he pulled the ripcord like Goose in Top Gun. And maybe, just maybe, Sixers with a healthy Embiid, a in-shape Harden, a Tyrese Maxey, and a P.J. Tucker, This team might be a problem next year. A problem maybe in the second round of the Eastern Conference playoffs. Because if this team can't win next year, though, 
which they won't. It's a process part two when Embiid forces his way to play with Jimmy Butler in Miami. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, so I'm here in Vegas where it's hot. I got jeans on and I'm regretting it. Um, for Summer League. And I have thoughts after the first couple of days. And I know everybody wants to hear about Paolo. I know everybody wants to hear about Jabari. And we'll get there. I've got things to say. But I do want to talk about a couple of guys, a couple of young guys that popped off the page. And we weren't really expecting to do so. And that, I think, is what makes the Summer League special, right? Not just... Can a star player that's coming into the league as the number one or number two overall pick or number three overall pick, how can they play? But it's like, how can a guy who was the 22nd overall pick last year, not this year, but last year, and he gets moved, how does he play? What about a guy who made it to the second round? How does he play? So I want to talk about two rookies, well, two young guys, because one's not a rookie, really. The most surprising and impressive summer league performances of day one to me, which is Detroit and Portland's game and Orlando Houston in their game. So number one is Caleb Houston for me out of Michigan. I was interested to see what he was going to look like as a second round pick, early second round pick. And oh my God, did Orlando feel like they got something special really in a in a steal, right? He had 20 points, six rebounds, five for nine from three, seven for 12 from the field. He had a couple of mid nice mid-range shots, a couple of close rain buckets, but like a ton of three-pointers, as you see, five threes. Houston, to me, stuck out because I'm thinking about Keegan Murray. I'm thinking a lot about the Kings taking him at number four. And Keegan Murray's 21 years old. He's 6'8", 205. He's a long, rangy four. Maybe he could be something like a a taller Al Horford. But, you know, truthfully, taking him number four was a surprise to most of the NBA. And I see Caleb Houston in his game, and I see Keegan Murray in his game. And they're not the same, but they play the same way. And so I bet if Caleb Houston went another two years in college, he might have averaged the same type of numbers that Keegan Murray did 24 points a game in his last year too. Caleb Houston in his first year averaged 13, five and two per 40. And Keegan Murray, who I mentioned was 6'8", 205, 21 years old. Caleb Houston, 6'8", 190, 19 years old. He averaged 16, 11 and one. So definitely a better rebounder, but in terms of scoring per 40 in his freshman year as well, pretty interesting comps here. I think Caleb could be a really nice wing player for Orlando. And I think upon first glance, they absolutely stole him in the second round. Um, let's move forward to another player that I is near and dear to my heart as a Portland Trailblazer fan. And no, it's not Shaden Sharp because I barely got to see him. Uh, Keegan uh, Keon Johnson 
185, second-year player from Tennessee. He was actually the Clippers' first-round pick, so you know Jerry West had his his mind and his fingers in the in the puzzle. And he came over to the Blazers from the Clippers in that Larry Nance deal with, uh, no, not Larry Nance. It was it was uh, Robert Covington, Eric Bledsoe, Norm Powell for Keon Johnson and some randoms. Eric Bledsoe, of course, was in that deal as well. And he's been quietly a bucket during the Portland Tankathon end to the season. He averaged 10, 3, and 3, 35% from deep in 26 minutes, which is pretty good for a 19-year-old on a team that's actively looking to surround you with non-NBA players. Like, actively looking to lose. He looked, in in this game against Detroit, Keon looked, he stood out. He looked very involved everywhere. He looked bouncy, completely fearless. Definitely has worked on his shot. I think him and Gary Payton the second together could be a really fun duo in terms of just working out together and learning from one another and and really be a, a couple of very versatile young wings on this Portland team. He has a very high vertical leap. He has nice little layup packages and can pass as well. Like the passing thing I think is the most impressive. He had 21 points, three rebounds, two assists, two steals. In that game, he was 8 for 17 from the field and 2 for 6 from 3. So very, very impressive. So those are my two rookies or two young guys that stood out in a way that I didn't even expect to be watching for them, right? Let's move forward. Jabari Smith versus Paolo Bancaro. Let's talk Jabari first. Number three pick in the draft, everyone thought would go number one. He looked surprisingly reluctant surprisingly timid. He shot four for 10, one for four from three. He had 10.7 rebounds and three assists. It's not like he was bad because he definitely had some nice moves. His footwork looks really good. He's got good instincts. He doesn't think too much. It's just that he didn't look dominant. He didn't look relentless. He didn't look like he was actively trying to dominate. Paolo, on the other hand, looked like he was trying to absolutely show the world. And he said this, actually, in his post-game presser with uh, Cassidy Hubbard. He said, I absolutely was trying to show the world that I deserve the number one pick. It's not the number one thing that was in my head, but it was definitely a thing that was in my head. He w- he went 17, 4, and 6. Six assists for Paolo. He went two for three from three. And had some really good defense as well. He had a a very, very big block on Jabari where you're like, ooh. He hit a three and then chirped Jalen Green on the sidelines as well. Like, he's just that guy. And when you see him, he's massive. He's massive in a way I can't even fully articulate to you as a listener because you have to see it up close. It's like there's no way, even when I take videos right in front of him, Like me and him, he's just right there. It just makes him look smaller than he is. He takes up the whole phone screen. And he's got really nice moves. Great footwork. Good jab step. Nice mid-range. Can pass like hell. He's going to probably be the number one usage guy on Orlando, it feels like. 
feels like they're going to give him the ball a lot and they're going to let him cook and they're going to let him get other guys involved too. So I think Paolo's a star. I can't wait to wait to see him play the rest of summer league. I even think the way that he played in this first game that maybe you want to maybe bet on him to win rookie of the year. And I don't like that for big men, but for him, it's kind of a different story. Shaden Sharp was the number one player I wanted to see. And I did get to see him uh, for all of six minutes before he hurt his shoulder. And that was that. That was night-night sleep mask. And probably no more Shaden Sharp in the rest of Summer League. He was 1 for 3, 0 for 2 from 3. So the man who is a mystery, the man who we all want to see, who has no tape, like still we have no tape on absolutely a mystery we all wanted to see can he play nba games he's only played five on five i don't know 18 months ago at eybl i've never seen him play anywhere and there's no film on him outside of eybl nothing on kentucky practice nothing nothing in his backyard i got to see him for six fucking minutes and now he's gone i have to wait till october to see shaden sharp now it's garbage absolutely garbage. I got probably all the footage you'll ever see of him on my phone right in front of him. So how does this, what does this mean for Portland? I don't know. Is he gonna, is like, are they hiding him? Is he really injured? It didn't even look like anything happened. I don't know. I'm just rambling now in disarray wanting to see Shaden Sharp at Summer League. Alas, we persist. Today I will be going to see, most importantly, Benedict Matherin, who I wanted the Portland Trailblazers to take. I can't wait for that. Going to get up with some friends tonight, and hopefully we'll also have some tea given those meetings um, early next week. There's a lot of stuff popping, and hopefully I have some good intel to share with y'all. That's all the time that we have for Heat Check. We'll be back Wednesday. No, we'll be back Tuesday with an all-new episode from Summer League in Vegas. Please follow us on Heat Check for all the reviews of the rookies that you can handle. We'll be doing those on TikTok, videos, voiceovers, all that. Don't forget to download, subscribe. Please tell your friends and follow us on social at, at this heat check and at Trista Crick on Twitter.